Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart.
foremost, we ask that you would bless our children today and our youth today. Those that are here and those that are not here, God, we ask that you would place your divine hand on them, that you would protect them. You would protect them from the divisiveness in this world, their flesh, the enemy himself.
Father. Thank you so much. Let's pick it up here in Luke chapter 3, verse 15. Now the people were in a state of expectation. And all were wondering in their hearts about John. As to whether he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed. And John answered them all by saying, As for me, I baptize you only with water. But one who is mightier and more powerful and more noble than I is coming. And I'm not fit to untie the strap of his sandals, even as his slave. He will baptize you who truly repent with the Holy Spirit and you who remain unrepented with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat, the believers, into his barn, which is the kingdom. But he will burn up the chafe, the unrepented, with an unquenchable fire. How many of you know that the greatest Cliff Note version of the Bible is if you repent, he will accept you. If you repent, he will accept you. Flip side of that. If you do not sincerely repent, he will not accept you. The people were in expectation said this last year, and I want to say it again because I just think it's this translation is so good. It says that in the original, original manuscript, this translates to the word expectation as they were, they were up on their tippy toes. The, the church, the people were ready. They were ready for their Savior to arrive. They were up on their tippy toes. And I wonder, I wonder, I just really, really wonder if this church is in a, a place of expectation. A place of, I'm lifted up, I'm on my tippy toes, and I am waiting for our sovereign God to do something. I wonder if we could be that church. I don't want to assume that we are. I believe many of you are. I, I believe that I am about three days a week. I believe three days a week I'm, I'm on my toes and I'm saying, yes, God, yes, God, I expect a move of your power today. And on the other days, I'm not. And that's terrifying to me. It's terrifying to me to have a father that gave his son to die for me and I can only be in expectation a couple of times a week and the rest of the week I'm just a typical religious American male. I don't want us to gloss over today. I don't want this day to be a day of, hey, we came in Pentecost you know, Sunday, it's, it's, it's Memorial Day, and, and we're honoring, and we're, we're doing all this stuff. And I don't want us to gloss over the fact that all of us got some work to do. 
I don't want to gloss over the thing. You know, in fact, we're not a church that glosses over things. We've proven that we're a church that doesn't gloss over things, and, and we get in trouble for not glossing over things. Huh? We, we get in trouble for being troublemakers. Give yourself a hand. You're a troublemaker. I know some of you don't understand that, but I'm going to explain it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a troublemaker. Look at your other neighbor that's at the lake and say, you're a troublemaker. I mean, where is there? I know there's some lakes, but I don't, I don't even know where they are around here. can't find them. I get lost going to Portman. It's funny, the story in the Bible, Jesus is 12 years old. He goes with his family, a little trip. They leave the trip. Jesus doing his own thing. Three days into them getting back from their trip, and they're like, hey, where's our little Messiah? They didn't say that, but I'm going to add that to it because it's funny. So where's, where's our 12-year-old boy? So they go back and they start, they start searching for him and they find him in the temple and he's preaching. Right? Y'all know the story. I was doing my father's business. In other words, what have y'all been doing? Uh, can you, can, let, let's, just, let's just think about the parenting aspect here. <laughs> okay? Uh, I, is, is there something about us as parents that's like, yep, my kid's been gone three days. I'm kind of scared, but I'm kind of feeling good about it. I mean, I mean really, if we're being honest, we're like, they've been gone three days. Let's, let's party, mama, you know? I don't know where that came from, but... Uh, but you think about Jesus. Jesus was announcing to the world, I'm here to make trouble. I'm here to bring you some Holy Spirit trouble. I'm here to offend your religiosity. I'm here to offend what you think is the right theology. I'm, I'm here to tell you that just because you Pharisees and some of you Sadducees can recite the, 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 the books of the law that you are something special, I'm here to tell you you're nothing special. You're just religious people. At 12 years old, Jesus was not afraid to be a troublemaker. He was not afraid to say, Mom, Dad, I'm... I'm doing the work of my father. How do you debate that? Wouldn't it be cool? And maybe that I could put this in a form of a question to you parents that are so excited about your kids being in sports. Would you rather your child catch the game-winning touchdown, hit the game-winning RBI, win this swim meet, win this dance competition, get that medal, get that trophy? Or would you be a little bit more proud if they got expelled from school because they were standing on the lunch table preaching the love of Jesus to their teachers and to the students. I'd be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You got expelled today? That is awesome. Let's have a party. You got kicked out of school for preaching the word. Good job, kid. Holy, so guess what? You're graduated now. <laughs> Praise God. You're, you're going to be preaching. Don't, wouldn't you be more proud of your 12-year-old, your 16-year-old? What about your 21-year-old college kid that you're so proud of doing their career? All of this stuff is good. But you know what's better? 
cause a little ruckus and a little trouble for the kingdom of God. Doing things that are not being done. Saying things that are not being said. Because there's an unction and a fire on the inside of you that says, I am in the end times and I'm going to make the most of these end times. And during these end times, I am going to preach my heart out. Amen. Thank you to you 15 that are excited about this message. Thank you. He's new, and it's okay. <laughs> He's a new member. He'll get it later. Listen to this. We read here in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. How many of you know the Holy Ghost is disruptive? How many of you know the Holy Spirit is a troublemaker? I know some of you are not, you're not digesting the term troublemaker because you're still thinking about worldly trouble. But what I'm talking about is spiritual trouble that the Holy Ghost, not the enemy, but the Holy Ghost stirs up in your life in order for you to get your eyes back on Jesus. Now, if I was a prosperity preacher, I would tell you right now on this Pentecost Sunday that not only if you give more than your tithe today that you will be blessed more. That's the first thing. That as a prosperity preacher, I would also say, hey, if you have your prayer language, speaking in tongues, then you're more powerful than everybody else. None of those things that I just said are accurate to what the Word of God says. Your power and your boldness and your level of expectation is only tied to one man and his name is Jesus. It is not tied to a church. It's not tied to your friends. It's not tied to your mama. You can't get the anointing from your mama. You can get some bad genes from your mama. You can get some bad genes from your daddy. You can inherit some other thing. But the anointing in your life is brought to you by the one and only author and finisher of your faith. We can't gloss over today how amazing the Holy Spirit is very quickly. When God speaks to his people, he does it in four different ways. He does it through his people or the church. He does it through prayer, uh, that two-way conversation with God. He does it through the word of God, the Bible. But he also does it through the Holy Spirit, your constant companion. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to immediately live on the inside of you. In case you don't know that. And also, he guides you in four areas. He guides you in your behavior, your speech, your relationships, and guess what? Your confidence. Before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
I had absolutely no confidence about anything. When I was in college, I took a zero because I didn't want to get up in front of 10 people to do an oral book report. And because I took a zero, I had to drop the class. Thank God you could drop the class within three weeks of enrolling, right? Some of y'all are still doing that. Bless your hearts. <laughs> you wonder why you haven't graduated yet. Anyways, so, 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 so before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is separate, there's three baptisms in the Word of God. Let me make it very clear. When you are born again, you are baptized in the blood of the Lamb. The Bible also talks about baptism in water, which is, which is an outward expression of an inward relationship, an inward experience with God. That you're going down into the grave, being consumed by the grave, that water, you're coming back up in new life. And thirdly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where Jesus actually takes you. No minister can do this. No minister has the authority to do The only minister that can do this is Jesus. And he takes you and he baptizes you and consumes you in Holy Spirit fire. And this is so amazing to me. I want to just read a few things to you. One minister said that the gift of the Holy Spirit has made its way down through generations of spirit-filled believers. And like those in his own family, this, this, this minister warned, he said, however, that um, if those who have had the experience don't continue to share the gift beginning with their families, it will eventually die a slow death. It is a slow process to the death of the language, the unity of the language. It's a, a soul thing. The less it's taught in the home, the less the children of the next Generation will experience the baptism and the Holy Spirit. You parents need the baptism and the Holy Ghost on you, and you need the baptism and the Holy Ghost on your children. If you are not teaching your children about the baptism and the Holy Spirit, which many of you are not, you're missing out. On God's glory in your home. Now, does that mean that your home is going to be perfect? That you're not going to have problems with your teenagers? That your teenagers are not going to get attacked by the enemy? That your kids are not going to do this or see that? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is they have a boldness and a confidence and a power that they will never have without that baptism. Some of you would agree with that. Some of you would not agree with that because you were caught up in a teaching that you learned as a child. You were taught that the Pentecostal church is crazy. That we bring out, we don't bring out snakes, but once a month. Come on. What an exaggeration. We don't bring in the chandeliers and swing on them, but once a year. It's, you know how much it costs to rent that scissor machine to install the chandeliers for us to swing from? It's not cost effective to do that anymore. Well, you're the wrong church. <laughs> so, so, we've, we, so there's all these misunderstandings about the Pentecostal lifestyle. But it's not a Pentecostal lifestyle. It's a biblical lifestyle. 
Fasting is a very good example of something that most churches don't teach about. Fasting is, is a command. Communion is a command. Just like prayer. Just like having those conversations with God. Fasting and communion and all of these different things like understanding and believing and accepting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. These are all part of what it means to be a Christian. Do you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? No, you don't. But man... It's a whole lot more fun. <laughs> it's a whole lot more fun to, 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 to demonstrate what the Bible says about not knowing what to pray. And then using and praying in your personal prayer language and it being the perfect prayer to God. It's amazing to me. And I don't want us to gloss over the fact today that... We are in a time when we need the Holy Ghost in our homes more than ever before. I got a song I want to play y'all real quick. I just wonder if you guys remember this song. We'll play it for a few seconds. Table, 
right? And that uncle is like a sailor that was never in the Navy. And that uncle, and, and you're having to warn your kids before Christmas dinner. Listen, I know this is a Christian holiday and we've invited the family and they're going to come. But I just want to warn you, this will be said. And this face will be broken and this this person will get mad at this have you ever noticed that all most of your family problems come from sitting down and eating a turkey <laughs> now i know it's pentecost sunday and so i can i'm talk about what i want to but listen listen <laughs> When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to be troublesome to other people. When you are on your tippy toes in an expectation of what God is going to do, you're going to be like sometimes with some people, you're going to be like 80 grain sandpaper in their life because they don't want to hear about your religion. But what they don't understand is you have traded in your religion for a relationship, and that's why you actually have joy. Have you noticed that most people that are religious are always grumpy and mean, and you don't want to be around them like the people I said you invited to your holiday dinner? Right? Okay, guys, let's, who wants to pray? I'm like, I'll pray. I'm going to pray the longest prayer you can think of. I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I've done some short prayer, but I've done some long prayers just so I can preach while I'm praying at the table. Lord, for those at this table that we see once a year that don't like us, bless them, Lord. Let them get saved today. Lord, speak to them before they eat green bean casserole. Let them experience your love. God, they're on their way to hell. Help them. Anyways, we're going to be having a big dinner here at the church um, next month. <laughs> I'd like you to invite some folks. I'll be sure to pray. <laughs> Listen, all jokes aside, when you're on fire for Jesus, other people start pulling out their water hoses and they want to put out your fire. But I want you to realize, once again, I've said this for five weeks in a row, it's not people doing it. It's the enemy. The enemy will use your family and your friends around you to tame you. This is what people have been irritated with me for years, is they've never been able to tame me or control me. Why? Because I know what God has called me to do. And when you guys know what God has called you to do, you don't have time to listen to any single naysayer in your life. Because your time is consumed with the expectation of Jesus' return. But before he returns, can I remind you guys, 
John chapter 16. I still have many things to say to you, but cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is Jesus talking about the coming of the spirit. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you, all that the Father has in mind. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then we read in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Can we truly Abound and hope without the power of the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. Evangelist Steve Hill said this concerning tongues. Praise Team Yunkin. Yunkin, come on up. He says, concerning tongues being an offense to the lost. See, many churches now have, have resorted to behind the closed doors uh, Holy Ghost meetings. Let, let's, let's, let's be a progressive church and let's keep it tame in the body. Let's keep it tame. Maybe that's why some people are not here today because they don't want to hear about what the Lord is telling you right now. And these progressive churches will take this conversation to a one-on-one uh, room, a location, and they will tell you. And if they're a good church, they'll at least tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's great. But this church, we can't gloss over the power of what the Holy Spirit has done in the lives of people here and in this community. What he's done in my life. And so he says this, I've witnessed the opposite worldwide. Like on the day of Pentecost, the Lord will often use this incredible sign to convince the world of power outside their own. Tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. How many of you know people are convinced of a miracle of God? Y'all can play something. Convinced of a miracle of God when... They see an arm grow out. How many of you would be like, wow, if I saw an arm grow out today, I am telling everybody what happened. And I guarantee you we're going to probably have two services next week. It'll be so packed. Right? But God doesn't always do it that way. That's why it's called a miracle. If it happened all the time, it wouldn't be a miracle anymore, would it? As a church, we have forgotten about the essential salvation is the greatest miracle in the kingdom of God. When a person says yes to Jesus and they are are making that 180 degree turnaround and they are pushing towards the mark of Christ, that is a miracle that the church has begun to stop being excited about. When somebody gives their life to the Lord, the Bible says the angels are singing and cheering. And yet we sit around, um, 
Good job, Destiny House. We had a couple of salvations today. Good for you. You know that church in Pittsburgh, they had 200 salvations today. What are y'all doing wrong? First of all, get off the pot if you talk that way. All right? Secondly, <laughs> secondly, secondly, oh, there is a secondly here. Secondly, God doesn't look at things that way. He sees it through the view of people being changed in the blink of an eye. For people laying down their lives and dying to themselves. What a great miracle that is. But the, pr the presence of God, the baptism of the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is one of many evidences. I want you to stand with me for just a few minutes. You know, it's amazing you guys know that an olive does not just transform into olive oil easily. It's a process. Without the washing and the crushing and the maturing and the refining, just like an olive can't turn into olive oil, your life does not have the anointing on it that it could without going through a process that God wants you to go through to mature and to develop and to grow deeper for your roots to go down deeper. That angel troubled those waters. Jesus troubled the waters here on earth. He still did. The Holy Spirit is troubling the waters so that people see. Do you see the actual real trouble around you right now, even in this community? In this state, in this nation, in this world, the trouble that is occurring, the only one that can change things is Jesus. But people have to say yes to him. Are you in that group today? Are you a person here today that does not have a relationship with God? You say you do. You talk about that you do. But your life looks the contrary. The Bible says that you will know them by their fruits. Are you kind? Are you peaceful? Do you display joy? Do you love God? Do you love people? I want you to close your eyes right now for me if you would. I want to do two things here. The first is I want you guys to answer that question. I want you to answer that question for your own benefit today. Do you really know Jesus? Do you really have a relationship with him? Are you truly ready to take your last breath today and have the confidence that you know that you will be with him safe and sound? Or are you the person that says, you know what, I've, I've got some religion. I come to church every now and then. I tithe every now and then. Uh, but I, I kind of do my thing. Well, can, can I tell you that the Bible tells us that uh, Jesus says you have to, you have to hate everything else in your life. You've got to follow me. You've got to be, I've got to be the center of your life. I've truly got to be the Lord of your life, your Savior. You cannot have any other gods before me. You cannot have any other false idols before me. For some of you today, you're, you spend more time on Facebook than you do with God. That's a false idol. So maybe you're in your state right now. Hey, I, I love Jesus, but I, I, I truly need to repent for what Pastor Court just said. I'm convicted by that. 
I need to repent that my phone has become my life. My job has become my life. My career has become my life. My money has become my life. My practice has become my life. My business has become my life. So I want to pray. And I want this group here today that says, hey, you know what, I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't think I really truly have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to start today. In faith, I want to start today. Can we pray this prayer together today? I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to parade you in front. I'm not going to ask you to fill out a visitor card. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. But I am going to ask you to consider right now if you're a child of God, if you're ready, if you truly accepted him, are you living for Jesus? Doesn't mean you're perfect. You're going to sin, you're going to make mistakes. But when you sin, you make mistakes, you get up out of the dirt, out of the mud, and you repent. And you keep moving. Right now, I'm talking about the folks that have no relationship with Jesus. They've been playing the game. Maybe the church life game. You come every now and then. And that's about it. Your life is your life and that's more important to you than Jesus. You should think about that for one second. I want to pray with you. I want to make this prayer uh, a prayer that anyone can follow, anyone can understand. But can I tell you that right now salvation is not about you just mouthing something. <clears throat> it's about believing and trusting and starting a relationship. It's a vow. It's a covenant that you're making to God, a blood covenant with him. He's already died for you and laid down his life for you and was resurrected. Now it's time for you to lay down your life to him. For those needing to come back to Christ, for those that have never come to Christ, for those that, that Christians in here that want to say this out loud and support the others, will you guys pray this prayer with me and mean it with all that you are. This is the starting gate, the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. I want you to say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I give you all of my life, nothing remaining. Forgive me of all my sins and set me free in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Now I'm going to do something different. If you guys just kind of can keep your eyes closed, let's be praying. If you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you just um, to, to pray however you want to pray. I'm going to do things a little bit different today. In most years that I've done this, and, and I know some people are probably you know not going to like this, but for many years I, at this very point in the service, um, I would ask the question, if you want to be baptized in the Spirit, that people would come up, that we would go through a time of laying on hands and, 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 and praying over each other and doing this. I'm not going to do that today. What I am going to do is remind you of what I've already said today. 
that this is a gift that God wants to give to you. We're going to pray in a second. We're going to pray. And you're going to ask if you want. You're going to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Spirit. And when you do that sincerely, I want you to know today you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a caveat. You've got to be saved. You've got to be a Christian. So if you're not a Christian and you didn't just become a Christian in the last two minutes, you cannot be baptized with the Holy Ghost. But if you are a Christian and you want to receive this gift, I am going to pray for you. But this is only my prayer. It is Jesus that is the one that does the baptizing. And I want to tell you what's going to happen. Some of you are going, to, are going to feel something. Some of you are not going to feel anything. But what you are going to, but all of you are going to hear a voice when you leave here. Oh, that you didn't really get baptized. That was fake. That didn't really happen. You're going to hear that voice. You're going to hear the voice of the enemy try to detour you from speaking and living your life in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray in a second, but one more time I want to reiterate this. When you leave here, you can easily get into your car and just start praying in your prayer language. Some of you may receive your prayer language right now in a second. But in order to receive your prayer language, you've got to open up your mouth with expectation. You can't, God is not going to push you over and pull your jaws open and make you speak. You've got to diligently be praying, open your mouth, and begin to speak in faith your new prayer language. And it will happen. It may not happen this very second, but I guarantee you it will happen in the next couple of days. It's amazing how God does it. Amazing. So if that is attractive to you and that is something that you want, this, this empowerment... This confidence, this, this perfect prayer, then I want us to pray right now that the Lord does this for you, and I know He will. If you're wanting to receive today, I want you just to lift a hand or two right now. In Jesus' mighty name, Jesus, I ask that you would baptize me in your spirit. I ask that you would give me a prayer language. I ask that you would give me and let me flow in as many gifts of the spirit as you would want me to have. I would ask right now, God, that as you have already filled me, and he has, that, Father, you would show me the next steps of boldness in my life. Let me live my life with expectation. Jesus, thank you for baptizing me, for filling me to overflow right now in your spirit. Praise team, can we worship for a few minutes here this morning? You guys can stay as long as you want. If you need to go, you are welcome to be dismissed today. We love you. 
We'll see you back here on Wednesday evening. See you then.